Hi everyone, welcome to the third episode of Deep End Life After Uni. Today I have Aaron Godfrey joining me today who is a senior civil engineer at Arup and has been a civil engineer for the last 11 years. Thanks Colin, nice to be here, nice to help contribute to this. It's a good, great idea and a great, great thing I think you're doing, so well done, yeah. Thank you. So could you please tell us a little bit about yourself? So I guess um, career-wise, I'm in the early to mid stages of my career, I feel anyway. Um, <laughs> I feel it's going to be a longer career. I'm yeah. at the age of 34, so I've been in the industry about 10 years now since, since university, but had a few other jobs here and there, I, I guess going to TAFE, having a, a job after that, and then going to uni before starting full-time work, I, I guess, as a civil engineer. A little bit about myself, I guess, um, pretty laid back kind of guy. If, as you know, you've, yeah, you've worked yeah. with me for a, for a short while at Arab. Yeah, one year. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, like to do the just the usual stuff, I guess, have a bit of a laugh and play footy on the weekend if I can, if I'm not injured at now, the, the ripe old age of 34. So still trying <laughs> to do a bit of sports on the weekend, trying to yeah. go to the gym and remain active. Got a dog and yeah, me and my partner, I guess, just recently moved into a house together as well. Nice. So we spent the last Good couple stuff. of weeks moving in and walking around the suburbs and yeah, unpacking Box City it feels like at the moment. But yeah. yeah, it's a bit about myself. Yeah, cool. Thank you for that. So could you please tell us about how you got to where you are today? It's an interesting story, I guess. Um, I didn't really have the, a typical path forward. I guess there is no real typical path forward when it comes to, to life or careers, but Finishing high school, I guess I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, which is quite common for for young <laughs> young adults. Mm-hmm. I did TE, which is, would I don't know what the equivalent it's, is. It's waste now. I waste think, now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So I did did that. I didn't get as high scores as I as I really wanted to, yep. which was which was fine. I guess it is what it is. Um, so I applied for a few courses at uni, but as a backup, I guess I, I applied for TAFE as yep. well. Just a few random courses here and there so I, I finished my TE I finished year 12 I had an offer from ECU to do a, a, a communications kind of degree mm-hmm. thereafter but I also got a call from TAFE which would have been Subiaco TAFE at the time um, from one of the lecturers that just said hey listen I noticed that you've applied for an engineering or a, a drafting and design certificate three course yeah I mean, it's a six-month course at the time, I guess the mining boom was sort of swinging upwards and engineering was going pretty well. So I uh, had a chat with the, the, the TAFE lecturer and said, okay, well, it's a six-month Cert 3. Let's give it a shot. I can I can defer uni for six months. So I did. So I tentatively accepted the uni course, deferred that and did TAFE. Much to my surprise, uh, really enjoyed the Certificate 3. So that was a Certificate 3 in, I think it was drafting civil and structural drafting possibly yeah so did a fair bit of drafting through that some minor maths things here and there but really enjoyed that so basically just said no to the course the uni course at the time that i mm-hmm. had been offered um, and just kept pushing on with TAFE met a few cool people there and made some I guess lifelong friends while I was at TAFE as well so as you know even Tilanka Silva yep. who works works at Arup as well as the highways business lead it's funny that yeah, ten years on we've sort of <laughs> parted ways after TAFE and have come back and worked together close, quite closely now in the, in the highways team here, which is really good. So, yeah, finished the Cert three, went on did the Cert four, uh, uh, sorry, went on and did the 
um, diploma of drafting and design or engineering. And then it went on and did the, the advanced diploma as well, which um, the advanced diploma is basically a bridging, I guess, course, bridging unit or certificate diploma to get to university. Yep. So I did that, passed all that, which was great. And yeah, had, had the opportunity to continue on and go to, to university and continue on with engineering, which was great. There's quite a few people, there are a handful of people from TAFE that, that followed the same path as well. And the good thing about that was we did the TAFE for a couple of years, two and a half years. Also did, having done the TEE and the advanced maths stuff at TAFE, mm. basically means that you don't need to do first year of uni so thereafter it was just a few years to to get the the degree which is which is good yeah so straight out of uni got a job with skm at the time which eventually was i guess through a transformational merger bought out by by jacobs so they still have that name today worked a fair bit in the land development team as a start which i i wasn't sure where i wanted my career to go to be honest as most <laughs> young graduates yeah. i was pretty happy just to have a job yeah. So started off in SKM's land development team, helped out, helped out with a few urban development projects, did quite a few practical completion inspections for, for land development jobs and mm-hmm. urban, urban design jobs, which is really cool. Yeah. Shortly after that, sort of made a, a sideways move at the time. And, and with these bigger companies, you do move around a fair bit in different departments based on where the, where the work is and where help is needed. And as a graduate, you're, you're quite, quite flexible in your role. So mm-hmm. did a fair bit of junior mining company projects while there so heavy haul road heavy haul rail for a few years but then moved back in and started doing a few more main roads projects and tender designs and also helping out with with pta panel projects as well so it was good to get a broad range of of work while i was in that first role i guess with with skm slash jacobs just basically a general graduate civil engineer so helping out with let's say things like water and sewer designs, relocations, rail design, bit of road design and infrastructure design on, on some of the PTA and main roads jobs too. So did that up for about six years, I think, and then had an offer to come over to Arup, had a few few friends and a few people that I'd met along the way um, over here and was quite impressed with the work that Arup was, were doing. So made the jump over and I think it's been what, about four years now mm-hmm. at Arab. So that's yeah, been a yeah, while. Been a while, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. So just doing a few major projects over here at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess things like uh, major road and highways upgrades around around Perth. Worked over in Sydney for s- six to six months or six plus months mm-hmm. and with ITS and yeah, intelligent transport infrastructure projects over there, and doing the same thing over here at the moment. So. Yeah, it's been a bit of a ranged career since mm. TAFE and a, yeah. a bit all over the place. But yeah, I think it, it sort of made me a better engineer in general, just mm-hmm. having a, a broad background of a, quite a few different, I guess, disciplines and industries and different market sectors, which has been good. Yeah. yeah. In the highways team, there's a lot of different groups. So there's the drafting group, the design group, and then the actual engineering group. You studied... All three, essentially. And I was wondering, what are the actual differences between the three? Yeah, yeah, it's a fair, good question. So having having a few of us in Telanka is, is the same, is having done the drafting, the design, and then the engineering side of it, 
it gives us a very good, I guess, feel for, for what it takes to do each of those individual components on a, on a certain project. So on a general engineering project will have, uh, I guess, all ranges of different disciplines, which will be roads and drainage and barriers to an extent. Basically, engineering is the work we will do to, I guess, aspects of the design to, to put together the, the road itself and what is the alignment that the road is going to be on. Mm-hmm. We'll provide input into that with respect to, let's say, design speeds, horizontal curves, what do we do need to achieve to, to make the project successful to the client. So it might be, okay, let's we have to put in a bridge here to alleviate congestion issues. How do we space proof that to provide for a lot of underground services, which might be power and communications, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I guess from an engineering perspective, engineers are the ones that work out the requirements to put the, together the project yep. safely and successfully. From a design perspective, designers will eventually get into the actual nuts and bolts of how to put that project together and how to design it. I know I just said designers do design, which doesn't really <laughs> help <laughs> help understanding, but designers will, will start looking at using software packages. Some of them, for example, are Bentley Open Roads or MX and 12D, which are individual design packages which will be used to put together a drainage network, for example, just to make sure from a high-level perspective, mm-hmm. does all the water go all yeah. downhill to a basin somewhere. <laughs> the road designers will put together the road elements for that, so that will be the earthworks, how is the pavement built up, how does that interface with the drainage design itself. So designers really will be getting into the nuts and bolts of how to put together each of the individual components. So once the engineering and design is done, we basically have to present those designs back to a client or let's say a a construction company who's going to be looking at putting these things together and actually constructing it out on site so Uh the the role of the drafter then is to take all I guess (laughs) the crap that the engineers and designers have (laughs) done and put that in a presentable fashion to let's say main road standards or PTA standards so that it can be a reviewed not only by us internally, but by the client and any other stakeholders, but also to present that to a contract, um, a contractor or a construction company to actually mm-hmm. go build it at the end of the day. So from a general perspective, all three are absolutely critical to, to putting together any project, um, all face, I guess, different roles, yeah. but all yeah, together. critical to, to, to finish a project yeah. to make it successful. And just to clarify, the when you were talking about design, that is different to the engineering design that we study in uni, right? Yes, to, to an extent. It's a, it's a really tricky question and quite often in the engineering industry, you, you'll hear a lot of people say, oh, geez, it, everything I learned at uni is completely different to what I'm doing now and I mm. could have, <laughs> I felt I could have just started this job in yeah, engineering yeah. and I, I, I would have learned along the way which is fine. I, I think that's that, that happens in any job. You, you'll get there and you'll learn the specifics about your role and you'll tailor your career and learning to get to, to what you need to. Mm-hmm. The engineering degree is great because it, 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 again, the way I think about it is it gives you the, the raw material for your career. I think university degrees, like you will learn aspects of engineering and design. I still use some of those aspects to this very day. Uh, 
let's say, for putting together spreadsheets for drainage design or earthworks <laughs> design, whatever yep. it may be, barriers. Um, I still use those building blocks from, from uni to, to get what I need done today. But yeah, you, you do tailor your career as you start and the specifics of your job will teach you what you need. It is, it is a bit different, but yeah, if you take the lessons from what you've learned at uni and how to, how to learn and how to problem solve, I think that's the key one with uni. You, you learn how to problem solve and I think that's a big thing in, not just in life, but in, in engineering itself. Yeah. Like what, what, do you, what tools do you need to use to get to an answer? Mm-hmm. It gives you a safe answer and helps achieve what the client wants as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. agree with that. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier that you went over east, Sydney, was it, for six months? Was that a secondment? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And what did you do there? That was a short-term assignment. So I, when I started with Arup, we, we recently, no, Arup had, had in, within the last six months, won a, a really big major infrastructure project which was the M4 Smart Motorway project in Sydney. So when I started with Arup, I helped out with a few projects around the Perth office for, for a couple of weeks, or let's say about a month. Then an opportunity came up <coughs> because the Sydney Highways team or the Sydney Infrastructure team were looking for just general, I guess, engineers, drafters. They were looking for quite a few different things just because this project was massive. So obviously my CV got thrown in there for a potential role which was great. I basically just said yes to it, took the opportunity on, and it was a short-term assignment as well. So it was good to get over there for six months and have opportunities to fly back to, to Perth every now and, and then to, I guess, keep my, my life over here ticking, <laughs> yeah. ticking on. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was a, a big uh, ITS project over there. So it was looking, uh, my, my role specifically was, uh, I guess, the road and civil lead for a specific package of works, which would have had a certain amount of mainline motorway, typical to a, I guess, Quinana freeway or a Mitchell freeway here, mm-hmm. and associated on-ramps and off-ramps, and basically putting a smart freeway upgrade on on there, the, I guess, the Sydney network there. So that was a great opportunity as well, especially starting with Arup, um, just to get over there and meet some of their team, work with a different range of, I guess, engineers and drafters and managers over there, and sort of build my internal Arab network mm-hmm. pretty quickly. Yeah. But also to, to learn how Sydney do projects as well. So across the different states and regions, um, main roads will have different standards to Sydney and Sydney, similar to, will have different standards to Victoria. So it was also good, a, a great learning experience to go over there and work out how Sydney do things compared to Perth. So mm-hmm. yeah, great opportunity. And again, made a, quite a few lifelong friends yeah, through that through that stint as well. So, mm. yeah. And when you came back to Perth, were there any projects that you worked on that you used the knowledge you learnt in Sydney? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So working on ITS projects, which is intelligent transport systems, Perth was starting to roll out ITS projects over here. So the the Quinana Freeway ITS project, which has those big gantries up and yeah, down the, yeah. the freeway along the river now is a very similar scope and I guess the nature of that project is very similar to what I did on M4 mm-hmm. as well. So it was really great to go over there with the intent of getting that ITS experience and knowledge mm-hmm. and bring that back to Perth and apply it here. So it was really good, Arup being able to work cross-regionally as well between the Eastern States and Western Australia and share the knowledge because if we, arguably if we didn't do that, 
uh, we probably wouldn't be winning as many of these projects over in in Perth at the moment and help yeah. deliver I guess great value to our, our clients too so it was great to, to learn from I guess the experts in Sydney as well mm-hmm. um, and work quite, quite closely with them because we've got a very strong relationship with them now so it's all about what can you learn and what sort of network can you leverage on to get the answers that you need or help yourself learn as well because <clears throat> in the engineering yeah, yeah all industries I guess no, no one has all the answers straight out of uni yeah no one has all the answers <laughs> 40 years out of uni either so <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. The, the the more you grow your networks across regions and I, I guess the state or globe or whatever it may be mm. to help get your skills up and learn from others the better so I, I was quite quite proud of that yeah that Sydney stint it was yeah. difficult but yeah very worthwhile now so yeah and the Quinana Smart Freeway what was your role in that project I was the road and civil lead for that project but also was the design coordinator for that project so from a road and civil perspective I was I guess managing a team of about let's say I think about 20 to 20 to 30 30 people and that would have been engineers designers drafters graduates just looking after all the road and civil aspects of the the project so what do we need to do at the on-ramps to upgrade those to provide this additional ITS infrastructure? What do we need to do along the mainline freeway of Quinana to provide barriers, signage, lines, <laughs> and readjust a few of those shared paths that are along there as well? Yeah. So it was basically just looking after a team of yeah, road and civil-related, I guess, employees on, on the alliance itself. The design coordinator role I had was basically to how do we interface, I guess, the ITS aspect of the project, the structural aspect and the road and civil aspect of the project. Mm-hmm. So my role was to oversee the, the leads of each of those <clears throat> as well, just to ensure there was consistency across, I guess, program delivery, quality, are we doing all, all of our checks properly? Are the right people reviewing the projects where we need to? Are we meeting our targets and deadlines with respect to what the construction team needs to to, to start constructing the project and what main roads need from their own internal review processes as well. And basically coordinating the, the, the entire design team, but also interfacing back up to the Alliance management team, the, the Alliance project manager, the Alliance construction manager, and just being that real interface between five or six different arms. So <laughs> it's a very, very busy role at times, all the time, though, <laughs> to be honest, yeah. just ensuring the quality and design reviews and trying to provide, I guess, the graduates in your team enough support and nurturing their development as well, but also reporting back up to the Alliance management team too. So it's a difficult role, but yeah, very, very, what's the word? I got, uh, yeah, I got a lot of, a lot out of it. Yeah. 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 Which was good. And what would you say was the most challenging thing about that project? There's probably quite a few <laughs> different, <laughs> most challenging aspects of the project. I think probably the most challenging part of the project was that this was Main Roads' first project of this nature mm-hmm. in Perth. So having a client which is which are trying to feel their way through the project and trying to work out what they want and the specifics of it and what type of infrastructure they want yeah. as the project is running becomes very very difficult from a few different angles so it's hard to lock down a certain scope and progress through with design if it 
does change a couple of times here and there it, with scope changing on a, on a project like that where the I guess the roadway is very congested and the construction team are keen to get out and start constructing as soon as possible if for whatever reason aspects of the project are changing and you're you're adding stuff or you're taking things away the communication just needs to be really on point mm-hmm. between a lot of I guess the construction team main roads ourselves as designers the approvals team as well who are, who are busy trying to work out a footprint to, to to clear and working alongside the river itself and we can't touch that so I think the most difficult part was ensuring that as a team we were all communicating properly mm-hmm. being open and honest as well was was the key thing just to ensure that the everyone has the right level of information as and when they need it so that yeah. you're not doing redundant work and you're not mm-hmm. going back mm-hmm. and changing things consistently yeah that I think that was probably the, the trickiest part of that, that project. And th- that happens on all projects, I guess, but on this one, it seemed more evident than <laughs> any yeah. of the others I've been on in the past. But yeah, yeah plenty of lessons learned there for, 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 for Arab, our Alliance and Main Roads as well. So we, the good thing is we all got in a room afterwards and had a big workshop with all the, the managers and talked through what we could have done better and yeah, are, are going to apply some of these things going forward on yeah. future projects, yeah, really which is great. really, really good, yeah. yeah. How would you measure the success of the Kwana Smart Freeway regarding the applicability of it? Well, I guess from a from a numbers perspective, I know that, that main roads have been monitoring it and they, they look at what is what is the outcome of the project that they've done and you can see that they, they went out there to, I guess, alleviate congestion and drop travel times and increase safety and from a from a project perspective that that has been a great success so mm-hmm. that has happened now we can quite proudly say <laughs> and having an ITS system like that will it will evolve as time goes by yeah. as congestion increases or decreases and changes so that's that's really good personally for me I think success on this project has been and selfishly from an Arab perspective has been our ability to to take some of these ITS skills from over east, bring that over to Perth, mm, mm, yeah, and then upskill a lot of our junior engineers, our designers, drafters, whoever it may be, and see how that success is being taken forward and we can yeah. do more and more projects of that nature. So, yeah, I, I really think and quite proud that a lot of the team have a lot of these skills now, which yeah. is which yeah, is very, definitely. very, very good for our team, especially in Perth as well, where it's an upcoming system upgrade on infrastructure upgrade that's going to happen for the quite a few more years so it's good that Arab's at the the front of that yeah I think a year ago during construction I I can't remember the exact date but I do remember there was one day when there was just large amounts of traffic on on the way in because one lane was closed off do you do you remember that and not specifically, to be honest. No, there has been instances in the in the past, in within the last year as well. I think there there was an incident recently where the I, I think there was a, a car that broke down in that section of freeway. Mm-hmm. And what what we did on this project is we have emergency stopping bays at I guess regular intervals along this section between Canning Highway and the Narrows Bridge. And the intent is that if a car is going to break down, they will break down in the emergency bay. Mm. So luckily, this car was in a bit of strife. Excuse me. They did the right thing. They pulled into the emergency stopping bay. And then, for whatever reason, the car basically 
became engulfed in flames and there was <laughs> oh, no. a lot of fire and etc cetera, etc cetera. but it's good that the smart freeway as a system we, we could use the components of what we'd had constructed and installed yep. to to close down one or two of the lanes uh-huh. or i think maybe three in this case to keep drivers safe and away from the incident but also continually moving on the freeway as well so i think that was basically the first real well that i know of yep. um, i mean we've, we've done a lot of trial tests mm-hmm. to see how drivers operate but this was probably one of the more major ones yeah. which tested the the system and yeah. the freeway which was good and it, it 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 responded well so that's again project success in mm. in my opinion mm. yeah you mentioned earlier that this smart freeway is i guess it was monitored during the first few months of it being operational i was wondering are they continuously monitoring this freeway Yep. As, as we speak. Yeah, yeah. So it's monitored 24 hours a day by Main Roads' network operations mm. centre. They, they have, I think, there, there's some insane statistic about this is the most monitored <laughs> freeway in, well, in WA, Australia, the world, whatever it may be. Yeah. So the, the freeway is continuously monitored by, I guess, security cameras, which, which are closed-circuit TV cameras um, at regular intervals so we can monitor if there is an incident someone in network operations can actually use the camera to have a look around and see what's going on there's also sensors in the roadway itself so at the on-ramps and in the paved area of the freeway itself those sensors help us monitor driver speeds times um, is there congestion is there people doing only is the network as a whole only doing 20 kilometres an hour Yeah. Uh, when it should be doing 100? If it is, then network operations, what, what needs to be happening on the back end to help alleviate that? Do we hold up people on the on-ramps to make sure the main line's going, mm. flowing well? Or if there is an incident similar to that car <laughs> blowing up, yeah. Um, yeah. do we need to close down a few lanes just yeah. to stop people driving slowly or getting too close to a, a safety incident? Yeah. All this happens on at, at the back end by, by main road. So they do a lot of work to monitor roadways, networks, uh-huh. and, and ensure our safety as well. So that's just not, not just on Quinana. Quinana's got the most ITS infrastructure on it to, to help with a few of these things. And they, they have a lot of variability in what they can do to help drivers get from A to B. Yeah. Um, but main roads do have a lot of this infrastructure across the, the rest of their network as well just to keep drivers safe and mm-hmm. keep an eye on what's going on on the roads, yeah. which is good. Yeah. yeah. On my way here today, actually, I realised that when I was driving on the left lane, there was a sign, one of the gantries, that said, you know, the emergency bay coming up is being used, so be cautious. Yep. So as I was approaching that emergency bay, I just saw someone peeing down the drain. So, <laughs> so what what consequences are there for that since it is being monitored so they can see and they know that someone is there yep. and they're probably watching that happen, right? <laughs> so is there any infringements or, I guess, misuse of the emergency bay? Yeah, so I think the, I think Matt Stovall will have designed the drains to... <laughs> take a take that flow but uh, (laughs) you're right there there is a there is an infringement infringement aspect of of these kind of projects and i think it will get more stringent as time goes by Mm -hmm. so that that specific incident what someone will find is that if they are in the bay 
they will struggle to exit the bay now. There may not be a policeman or anyone coming along to tap them on the window and say, well, you're doing the wrong thing here. But yeah. I think the way these some of these some of this infrastructure is that if you're if you go in there for the wrong reason and you're not meant to be there mm-hmm. getting out becomes quite difficult because the, the freeway itself is has a lot of barriers things are hard to see around yeah. corners etc cetera, etc cetera. but there is a lot of signage in those bays and on the approaches as well to say it's it's an emergency situation only and you shouldn't be doing that so in a normal scenario if it is an emergency or your car's broken down you will go into those bays you will see the signs within it, yeah, which will tell you to call a number. Um, I don't oh, okay. know what, yeah. what it is for oh. assistance or whatever. Yeah, yeah, correct. And you'll get put through to someone who will tell you what to do while you're in the bay, and mm. you might get, uh, depending on the emergency, that they can put you in touch with emergency services, whether it be <laughs> a, a fire engine to help <laughs> yeah. put, your, put your car out, or yeah. if you're, I don't know going into labour or something then they can <laughs> yeah. call an ambulance or yeah. you're having a heart an attack an actual emergency an actual emergency not yeah. I'm busting you to <laughs> go to the toilet <laughs> just peeing down the drain yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is an emergency in some people's mind <laughs> <laughs> I guess but yeah. uh, not, not what we've designed it for yeah so there, there is variable speed limits along that that stretch of freeway as well so the, the signs up on the, the gantries can yeah. be changed to from 80 to 100 to, to 60 or whatever it may be so I know that main roads are working with WA police at the moment to ins- WA police at the moment to install infringement cameras as well. So there are there will be infringement cameras. There will so be, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that just means that because as you probably know, driving down there as well, some people just yeah they just go, the, keep going hundred or correct going, yeah, yeah they yeah, take they down. take the piss a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so they so there will be cameras along there eventually, a few sets I think, but. They won't all be operating at the same time. They will just be there to pick up the, the naughty people who are doing <laughs> hundred yep. if it's in sixty, 60 yeah, 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 and just keep and causing more traffic if anything because yeah, well, it's difference in yeah, speed, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that that speeding is and and those drops in speeds are there to keep people safe if there is an incident or someone's driving slowly mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever. So if people are doing hundred when they should be doing sixty, they're more likely to create accidents and congestion, and yeah lock down the freeway even further so yeah it'll be good and interesting to see how people respond to that respond to the infringements the infringements yeah, <laughs> yeah. The safety safety cameras they're called yeah oh, safety cameras they of are. course they are. that's yeah. the that's the name now. <laughs> what other exciting projects have you completed or been on there's quite a yeah there's it's an interesting question <laughs> they're all quite <laughs> quite exciting in their own in their own nature which is a bit of a crap response i know (laughs) nerd civil engineer but i guess when i was a when i was a graduate and working on a few i worked on a few of those land development projects i think some of the exciting ones for me were ones where i could actually get out on site and contribute with design and do site inspections and practical completion inspections and then one day actually going past and driving and they're and my, my partner, I, I'm sure I, I piss her off to no end, but every time we, <laughs> uh, in a lot of aspects, not just in this, but we quite often will drive past places that I did some design work for when I was a graduate <laughs> like 10 years ago and say, oh, you see that primary school there in Osborne Park? Yeah, I did a um, designed a 20-metre sewer extension to that. <laughs> <laughs> quite proudly we'll say it as well. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I think that specific project, one of the the most, <laughs> I remember, I just, I don't know why I'm thinking about this now, but I remember being quite excited at the fact that I finished that design project and had it constructed and went out on site and inspected it with the construction team, whatever, and filled it all back up and sort of walked away. And then I remember submitting the, the, the design to uh, Watercorp and the construction documents to Water Corporation and they come back and they say, okay, well, as of this date, we accept your design and construction and the defects period starts now. And I remember looking at that and going, what the hell is a defects period? And, yeah. and uh, my manager at the time said, okay, you get a, well, for this project specifically and the, the stuff you've done, there's say a, let's say a one year defects period. Yeah. And a defects period is similar to a warranty. So yeah. if you buy a phone and it dies in the first six months, yeah. you go back to the place you bought it mm-hmm. and they'll replace it, they'll fix it, they'll give you a new one. So yeah. a defects period is similar to that where if you put this in and the sewer bursts or start leak, starts leaking or yeah. fails, whatever, um, I guess you're liable to come back and Fix under, undertake those repairs. So yeah. <laughs> I remember getting getting to that point and then going, oh, shit, I need to start thinking about this in a year's time. <laughs> just in case. <laughs> fingers crossed for a year. I mean, it was a, such a minor project as well, yeah. but it just shows like the, the, <laughs> the thinking of a graduate as well, or mm. someone in the early stages of their career. But I remember completely forgetting about it and then a year later, I got this letter from the Water Corp. I thought, what, what is this? They're sending me bills to, <laughs> sending me bills to directly to SKM now. Or, yeah. And I remember opening it up and saying, oh yeah, our defects period's finished. There's no yeah. issues, so that's that's it. Yeah. Complete handover. And I, I remember being quite excited at that at the time as well. It's such a minor, crappy little thing, but yeah. I remember going, oh shit, that's that's really great. It <laughs> yeah. didn't fail. Yeah, so. <laughs> nothing, nothing failed. You did a good job. Yeah. So it was kind of like your first successful project, I mm. guess. But yeah, ha- coming from those sort of sort of times and working on those those smaller projects for I think land development companies and and private private other private companies who need some small sewer extensions done or whatever it may be yeah to working on sort of projects that I'm working on now which is I guess this is quite an exciting one as well as the Mm. the Swan River Crossings project in in Fremantle so that's basically going and taking the existing timber road bridge that's out there that's copped a few whacks from some vessels in the in the past and i think it's nearing <laughs> nearing the end of its design life yeah so arab along with a few other companies so wsp um and a lot of other sub consultants and marine and maritime engineers we're, we're working together in an alliance at the moment to replace that bridge and hopefully put in something that's quite iconic to perth yeah something not i'm not going to say sydney harbour bridge-esque but <laughs> something that is a bit of an entry statement yeah. for vessels and people coming to, to Fremantle itself and, yeah, hopefully provide a lot of mm. community, I guess, benefits as well. And Aesthetic uh, looks. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Trying to find the right balance between providing a great engineering design with something that looks very sexy but <laughs> keeping the price low as well so the, the, so the WA government are happy as well with not spending huge amounts of money on, yeah. on something that they don't need to. So, yeah. Very exciting one in the early stages of that project, so still going through the, the early approvals process, hoping to start detailed design in 2022 after we get through a few of the optioneering works late this year mm-hmm. and construction there afterwards. So that will probably keep me busy for the next few, three or four years at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how long is this bridge? All up, the, the works itself are, are, are quite long and they do they do tie in further past the the swan river itself so the the the, asp- the 
the bridge over water itself, I from memory, in oh geez, it's probably in the order of two hundred to two fifty sort of meters. Mm. Once you get between the abutments and tie-ins, but there's a huge range of works outside of that to to modify intersections and provide new shared path paths from I guess the southern shore of Fremantle to the north sh- north shore, but also to North Fremantle Station as well. So there's a there's a big cycling and pedestrian aspect to this, which is quite I guess quite tricky as well there's obviously a lot of residents that live within close proximity to the project as well so there's a big stakeholder engagement aspect to this too so that's a lot of the stuff we're working through at the moment having to work closely with city of Fremantle too and and many many other stakeholders so yeah very interesting one a nice not a, a hugely long bridge but mm. a nice nice stretch to be able to yeah. make it a bit complicated and think about how the port get vessels in and around the infrastructure and how do we keep I guess leisure users and yeah. guys like yourself who'd like to take their yacht out on the weekend and <laughs> I don't have a yacht mate <laughs> 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 yeah so no it's a it's another great project getting stuck into now yeah yeah, yeah. does this bridge have a lot of traffic on it yeah, yeah, it does. It does. The 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 hard thing about the crossings over the Swan River in general in Perth and WA is that they're they're quite few they're quite few and far between. Yeah. Um so you obviously might know the the Narrows Bridge goes over the river in Perth. Mm. Going back from that there's a river <laughs> a Canning River crossing. Yeah. which helps you get from Applecross to to Canning and over there the other crossings, once you start going back from there, are Stirling Bridge in Fremantle. And very far away. Hey? Yeah, and, and this bridge, which is the Fremantle Traffic Bridge. So the difficulty with this project is you have to take the bridge down to put a new bridge in its place. Yeah. So can we can we demolish half of it? Maybe. I, I, I think we're going to struggle to do that given the, the age of the bridge. Mm. Can we demolish it completely first? Well that's always an option but how do people get from the north and southern shores um, in the meantime and on such a a big scale project like this you're not going to take the bridge down and then put a new one up in its place within a week Mm. it 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 becomes a question of how do we redistribute traffic yeah for for a one and a half to two year period people are going to be pissed as well yeah to drive far far away (laughs) just across the river Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah so it's that, but it, it's also, there's a lot of transperth services and buses and people rely on that infrastructure to get to and from uh, work yeah, each day and yeah. school. So a big aspect of this project is how do we redistribute that traffic mm. across the network and then not make Stirling Bridge fail, for example, which yeah. is the, the next one up. Similarly, if we're putting all the traffic onto Stirling Bridge and there's a there's an incident, if there's an accident or, and let's say... Yeah, and the whole thing's... Closed off. Right? Yeah, yeah, the whole thing closes up. The, what do you do to get from... Let's say you only need to go from the South Shore to the North Shore in Fremantle. Yeah. We've, cl- we've closed the traffic bridge. Stirling Crescent's... Um, sorry, Stirling Bridge is shut down. Yeah. The next crossing is <laughs> Mount Henry. <laughs> you might have to go <laughs> all the way into the city to come in and back around just to, to do what would usually be a five-minute journey for yourself. <laughs> so so yeah. there's a very high risks on engineering projects like that. Yeah. Um, quite often and yeah, even if you cause one minute of delay to a driver <clears throat> yeah, it, it's quite frustrating, isn't mm, it? So definitely. So delays cause frustration 
which leads to risk taking and <laughs> complaints and further accidents. So yeah, yeah, lot to think about on these projects. Well, <laughs> not just what you learn at uni, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I agree. Yeah, if uh, there are any uni students out there who are interested in the highways team, do you have any advice for them? Yeah, don't be afraid to get in contact with us or myself or one of the team leaders or even via by yourself (laughs) (laughs) you you know all of us as well so yeah um advice don't be afraid to ask if it's myself specifically at arab or anywhere anywhere you really want from an engineering perspective of course i'd (laughs) highly recommend arab first we've got a lot of great projects and and need a lot of support Mm -hmm. but that's no different to any other engineering company as well if you've got a good attitude and you're willing to to work and i guess like yourself have a bit of banter every now and then but know when to to knuckle down as well and and get the job done (laughs) um yeah don't don't feel afraid to reach out because the least that the worst thing that can happen is someone says no and you just move on and try Mm. and find someone else uh, some someone else or another company or something else i think attitude and culture counts for everything in not that not just this industry but in life and Mm. if you can show you're willing to work hard and yeah willing to to help people where they're needed then you'll probably go far so yeah always reach out to myself we've got plenty of work on if you need it and (laughs) not just if you not just from a after graduation sense even if it's before and during your studies yeah um, vacation worker internship absolutely yeah yeah. we've got we've got a lot of trainees and a lot of trainee drafters that have come on board now as well yeah always willing to to help out and help upskill the industry and students themselves as well and that being said, I think a hundred, yeah, basically a hundred percent, no, say ninety nine percent of um, those who come on for traineeships and, I guess, vacation work and and, and part time work generally stay on and take full time roles as well. Yeah. So that's that's one of the real great pros- positives as well for for students and young engineers. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One question I forgot to ask earlier on was after TAFE and you moved into uni and then after uni, why did you choose a consultancy company? Why not a construction company? Why not a operator? You know? Very, very, very good question. <laughs> Part of it is just a, <laughs> from a graduate perspective, yep, I was offered a job with SKM, so I took it. <laughs> 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 I took what you can grab. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know back then, uh, I know, and I think now as well, just given the amount of graduates that are going into the system as well, some people are struggling to to get jobs. Mm. Um, therefore, that's why it's quite critical if you can do vacation work and build up your own <clears throat> CV a little bit before you do graduate. That's that's always beneficial. I know it's not ideal at times, but if you can, then then great. Part of me when I graduated was reluctant to work with. Uh, my, my main concern at the time was, was seeing a few of my friends had, that had gone through engineering and finished and straight away started working for, for mining companies mm. and doing FIFO. I just decided at that time in my life that FIFO is probably not something I want to commit to. So I sort of steered away from, uh, I guess, mining companies um, yeah. and construction companies and contractors I, I didn't really consider at the time. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just me being a stupid uh, <laughs> young man i don't know i, I just uh, yeah, yeah. I only went to, to to some people and not others I, I don't ask me why i think it was really the the people that i applied for 
was really limited to just who basically came to the careers fairs at Curtin, <laughs> I think, at the time. So, yeah. unless you did, if you didn't come to the careers fair, then I, I, I didn't know you existed, basically, <laughs> yeah, as, a, yeah, yeah. as a naive graduate. But yeah. it's interesting the point you raised about an operator or, let's say, main roads. When I was at TAFE, a lot of people at TAFE did cadetships at, at, at TAFE. Main uh, uh, yeah, sorry, yeah. At, at main roads. Yeah. Um, which basically means that main roads will pay you to go and work for them and you will work for them in the in this example anyway you, you'll work for them in the holidays yeah so you get really great experience directly from main roads you learn about main road standards and design software mm. or, or drafting software if you if you're that way inclined and main roads will basically pay for your tuition to yeah. get to get through TAFE the deal is that you you stay on with them obviously because yeah. they've invested in your career yeah. and helped you get through studies so you stay on with with mm. main roads so while I didn't apply directly for main roads, I know a lot of people that did go through that cadetship process and they, they've, they've, to this very day, still have very thriving and successful careers with main roads. Yeah. And yeah, that's that's just another way of, of going through that. And I think a lot of people do pursue the cadetship mm, mm. Um, process, which is really good. I'm not sure if PTA offer a similar thing or any other non-private entities do that, but if you can do that, that's a, another great way to... Yeah, to yeah. To I'm fairly certain Main Roads offers cadetships for engineers who are studying in uni as well. Yeah. And you apply from the very beginning of your, I guess, uni degree, <coughs> and you work for them every summer. That's your contractual agreement. Mm-hmm. And then they pay for literally everything. And then yeah. you hop on and you've got a guaranteed grad job as well afterwards. Mm. And I guess if you break that contract and you don't decide to... Uh, join main roads afterwards after your uni degree then i believe you have to pay back everything that they spent on you essentially on yeah your, on yeah your tuition yeah yeah which is which is fair enough as yeah well. i guess you don't shaft main roads and then <laughs> yeah. and then end up being a um they've been your client or something not sure yeah. if that's a career limiting move or not but yeah definitely yeah that's 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 understandable <laughs> mm, mm. Well, thank you for your time, Aaron. Thank you for joining me today. And I'm sure a lot of uni students or just anyone who's interested in what a senior civil engineer does has learned a lot, especially regarding the projects that you've worked on. And and since, you know, half the people live southbound, right, and travel into the city. So everyone's seen the Quinana Smart Freeway. So everyone's gotten a little bit of insight on the the work that has gone into it. So thanks for that. Yeah, no worries. And um, now that we've spoken in majority about smart freeways, and if the uh, system does fail, then we might need to pull this podcast from <laughs> <laughs> public availability. Yeah, but yeah. Um, yeah, more than happy to talk to, to anyone listening, really. If you want to have a chat offline and get my contact details from Colin, I'm more than happy to have a chat and do do a lot with mentorship as well with, mm. with young students and, and graduates as well across unis and other companies as well so more more than happy to have a chat but yeah yeah thanks thanks heaps for the opportunity colin it's a like i said at the start it's a i think it's a, a great thing that you're doing and not just limiting itself itself to i guess what you know with engineering and yeah i guess markets that you're dealing with but also expanding it a fair bit to, to other i don't know if you've told whoever or advertise what's upcoming but it sounds like there's a there's a fair few different different marketers and areas that you're you're targeting as well which is really exciting so um, i'm hoping this this podcast is really successful for yourself and 
young young engineers or young graduates in general so good stuff yeah thank you thank you for your time no worries thanks